Hey, I'm David Cancel, and today on Seeking Wisdom, we're going to talk about a simple framework for how you can become a learning machine, outsmart those Ivy League MBAs, and accelerate your learning without having to set foot in a classroom ever again. All right, so we kind of live in this world where everybody wants to be smarter and more productive. But, um, you know, whether you want to be a better cook, maybe you want to be a better marketer, maybe you want to be a better CEO, we, everybody has this urge kind of to be smarter. Um, but you've kind of noticed this thing all the time where, like, you know, the average, from the average Joe to the Ivy League MBA, people just kind of stop learning after they get out of school. Like, you've, you've noticed this over and over. Like, people just, once you leave school, learning is done. Yeah, this is the thing that I noticed that happens the most. And I think this is the thing that you can use as, you know, kind of your secret weapon uh, to beat everyone around you. And uh, that is to continue to learn. And like people like, you know, Elon Musk, Warren Buffett, they get credit for being these really smart guys, as they should. But a lot of people don't know the thing that they don't credit get credit for is that behind the scenes, they're always learning. Yeah, I think that's the hidden secret for all those guys, whether it's Gates or Buffett or Musk or any of the famous people that uh, you think of as, uh, as inspiration, what their secret is is that those guys are reading more than anyone else. And the, the whole thing is they just become like these learning machines, just learning from other people. And you've said this, uh, you know, at least to me, a bunch of times, you're like the only shortcut. People always say, you know, this is your fifth company. Like, what's your hack? What's your shortcut? And you always say that your only shortcut is just learning. That's it. Every, that's the one thing that pisses me off and gets me frustrated is uh, when people are always asking for hacks and tricks and shortcuts. And, uh, and I get it. You know, we all want to get there faster. But the only shortcut that I've ever found is continuous learning. And there's lots of ways to do that, whether it's through mentors, whether it's through friends, whether it's through experiences. But I found the most efficient and the highest ROI comes when you lean on books as the way to learn. All right, so this is funny because everybody wants this, like, we live in this world of hacks, right? And you're sitting here in 2016 telling people that they need to read more read more books. <laughs> yeah, read more books. Forget about reading about posts about hacks, about hacks, meta posts, right? Posts about hacks, about other hacks. The real hack is just read books and learn. So the, the, the secret sauce is, like, these guys have all become these learning machines. Mm-hmm. And the reason they become learning machines is because they put in the work. They do the reading. Um, but... Like I want to, the focus of this today is kind of give some people advice for reading more, right? The common, somebody's going to say, okay, yeah, listen to David's podcast. He told me to read more. I'm busy. I don't have time. Yep, everyone's time busy. I'm busy. Uh, everyone's busy. I get it. I think you, you need to prioritize reading. And I think, you know, I have a little system that I use personally to get more reading done. All right. So let's start with how, I want to start with like, when maybe when you actually read. So let's we'll talk about the the ways you read after. But when do you make time? Like you're a CEO, you have a wife, you have kids, you work long hours, you got to put in the work at home and the office. Yep. There's minimal time for you to when do you actually get your reading done? Do you have a, just a spot that you Yeah, most of my reading happens early in the morning. So I get up at uh, around 5 a.m. each day and uh and I do a couple of things, but uh, the mo- one of the most important things that I do before starting my day, before touching the computer, before touching the, uh, my phone, and before even my kids and wife w- wake up is to sit down and read. 
Why do you? Why can't you touch a device? Is it if you touch the phone and touch the computer, then you're you're gone? Yeah, uh, for <laughs> the me, train the, is gone. Exactly. The, the the second I touch a computer or a phone, then my mind is racing elsewhere. And part of my morning kind of ritual or practice is to do yoga and to uh, kind of really be intentional about my time. And part of that, part of those intentions are to sit down and read. But all right, so for you, it works in the morning. But maybe like the bigger takeaway for most people is doesn't have to be in the morning. It's just mm-hmm. is it just kind of you have this dedicated time. You know, this is my time. Yeah, just based on my schedule because I'm always running around and kids and startup and this and that. The most consistent time I can find is uh, in early in the morning. I'd say for other people that I talk to, for them it's you know riding the T, riding the train. For others, it's doing audiobooks in cars. For others, it's kind of late night before bed reading. Everyone's got something that yeah. works for them. What's worked for me is early mornings. But the other thing is that you, you don't have to make it this. Like, reading doesn't have to be this hour, this marathon thing, right? Oh, no. It can be 15 yeah. to 30 minutes. It's yeah. just most, most mornings I'm reading 15, 20 minutes is all I need to read. Sometimes I go longer than that. But if I read 15 minutes, I'm happy. All right. So you're sitting at home. Let's talk about what like how you actually read. Is this a physical book? Is it a Kindle? Are you reading on your phone? Are you reading articles in pocket? Like what what's the system? Yeah, it's all of those things. I don't I do do I do read stuff online and put do use pocket, which I'll talk to talk about in yeah, a bit. Yeah, we'll get back to that. Talk but, about uh, books. But I don't count that as reading. All right. All right. <laughs> so how do I read books? So I have this system where I depending on the type of book uh, will tell me the medium that I read that book in. And so uh, you know, for the very best books and for the books that have stood the test of time, right, all the classics that we hear about and, uh, and the books that I feel like I need to come back to and maybe reread a couple of times and, or might be difficult and I need to sit down and I spend a lot of time highlighting books with an actual highlighter, <laughs> old school, um, I'll get, obviously get a physical books. And for those books that I think are more um, one-time reads, more disposable, shorter, uh, I'll get them in Kindle. And I do highlight there. And then finally, like the, for the super disposable kind of like entertainment type books, uh, I use audiobooks. Okay. So you kind of, your first one is almost like these are trophies. Like you, A, yeah. you want to have the books after, mm-hmm. but B, you just want to be able to like touch and feel them and, and have them. So, so yeah. you know right away when you go to buy a book, like, okay, I just found this awesome book. I'm going to buy it on Amazon oh, it's this type of book that I want to have for the future, yeah. you're going to buy a physical book. Definitely. And for books that I'm not sure about, I might go Kindle first. I end up buying some books twice. So a perfect example is uh, a book called Hooked. Uh, so the first time I read Hooked, uh, which is about kind of growth marketing, uh, I, re- I bought the Kindle edition. So I read that, and then I highlighted enough areas in it, I wanted to share enough of it and come back to it that I then bought the physical copy. Because you would just want to have that. Yeah, I want to yeah. have it. I think people get caught up on like, oh, buying books and this and buying it twice. And it's like most of these books cost $8, $10, right? Like this is not a huge investment. Right. And, uh, and so uh, – but the ROI on books is phenomenal. What, what is it that's so good about a book? Is it just like somebody – you're able to learn from somebody who has spent hours and hours and hours and months writing a book. Yeah. You just extend kind of your lifetime a little bit by reading that. Yeah, so the why books versus kind of like articles and posts and stuff like that, I think it's just like it's more considered. And, uh, and then there's 
there are millions of books, so I will not say like all books are great, but like uh, usually the stuff that I'm reading, the stuff that most people are reading are things that have been recommended and have kind of stood the test of time, whether that uh, amount of time is a year or five years or 10 years or 50 years, like they've stood the test of time. And so the stuff that keeps coming back and bubbling back up is worth kind of having in that format. All right. So this is kind of, I was going to ask you about this. This is how do you curate your, your list of books? Like, do you, are you ever actively like, I need a new book. I go to Amazon, I search, or is this like, do you have a running list somewhere of books that people have referenced and you have like an Evernote note where you just keep putting books you want to buy? Yeah. Good question. So, uh, when I hear about books that get recommended, I go to Amazon, I take a quick scan, and if it uh, sounds intriguing to me, I just buy it immediately. And I have a stack of books that I'm getting through at home. There are some books that are kind of on the fence, and those books I've created a kind of private wish list on Amazon called Library To Do. And so when I do, do need to get a book, I go into my Library To Do and, uh, and get a book out of there. How do you feel about taking notes? Like, does taking notes, is that a personal thing? Or do you think that if I were to read a book, does taking notes, is that going to help me comprehend more? Or is that just a personal preference? Yeah, for me, so for me, I can't take, some people can do this. They can actually take written notes. And uh, for me, I'm kind of visual. I uh, Notes don't work for me, like writing down notes, because I never come back to them. What I do is this system, which is if it's a physical book, I use a highlighter or a pencil, and I highlight sections. And if it's a Kindle book, of course, I highlight that with the built-in highlight mechanism. But in both cases, uh, what I do is I take out my phone and take pictures of all of the pages that I've highlighted. And then I have an Evernote note. I use Evernote to store these. And I put create a note per book. And so for each book title, there'll be one note, and there'll be everything that I've ever highlighted in a book in one place. So that way, when the book is done, so say you read Hooked, mm-hmm. great quote on page 100. Yep. You don't have to go flip through it and find it. You can just go to your Evernote note, text search for it, then yes. grab the book and go to that page. Yeah, exactly. Because these are photos of uh, Evernote can OCR them, turn them into text, and then I can search on them. Do you do that while you're reading or do you do, you do it after? Like, Do you, in the middle of a chapter, put down the book, take a picture, and put it in Evernote? No, I do. Um, I used to do that, but it was way too distracting. So now I just highlight stuff and then uh, I keep like a... I keep a folded corner or a bookmark in, in Kindle of the last part, uh, last page that I've highlighted. And then at some point I go back, you know, and then take a bunch of pictures and then keep reading. You just kind of like your last thing to do before you're done with the book is process all your notes on it and then you're done with it. Yeah. Yes. And I, I don't do it at the very end of the book. I do it in kind of stages. So I'm always have a queue of uh, notes that I need to record. All right. So we talked about physical books. We talked about uh, Kindle you also read a ton of articles online, but you don't think that that's actually reading. But there's still good stuff in there. Yeah, yeah, there's great stuff. I do do a lot of that. When do you do that? Like, yeah. when do you prior and 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 maybe talk about when you when I think a lot of us I'm really guilty of this is somebody sends me a link and it might be quicker for me to just read it than yep. put it in pocket, but yeah. I always put it in pocket. <laughs> yeah, so that's the one thing that I do different. Uh, I take a look at the article and I if I really want to re- if it's interesting to me, I will read it. Right there, right? And uh, immediately. And because two reasons. One, if I've just put it in Pocket or some other bookmarking app, high likelihood I never come back to it. Two, um, you know, Pocket is almost like another version of a to-do list. And uh, I have the same problem with that as I do to-do lists because now I have this cognitive load on my head 
that now I'm thinking about this thing that I've archived and that I need to come back to. Instead, you know, keeping track of all this load in your head is more effort than just reading the book and the, uh, reading the article in the first place. So I just read it. I do do use Pocket for articles that are, you know, on the bubble, just like I do with the uh, to-do list uh, inside a library to-do list within Amazon. There's some articles that are on the bubble. I stuff them in Pocket, and I do do one thing that's different with Pocket, which is uh, since I spend time in my car, but you could do this uh, if you're commuting on the train or uh, walking to work, there is, if you go into an article within Pocket and you go to the More menu, there is a way for Pocket to read those articles to you, right? It's buried in the middle. They don't make it obvious. It's kind of halfway between in the menu. It's called Listen TTS, and uh, you can click on that and then just listen to the article. So you kind of turn your article into an audio book. Yep. Do you read multiple books at a time? Yeah, for me, uh, I have to read. I like to read uh, multiple books at a time. And, you know, I'm usually reading some biography. I'm reading some, you know, book that I'm putting into practice now, which is usually some kind of nonfiction business kind of leadership type book. And then I usually have some kind of entertainment thing that I'm reading, sometimes nonfiction, sometimes fiction. And I'm kind of, depending on the time of day, like uh, the biographies and the fiction are usually more at night if I, or, you know, if I have time during the day. But morning is always intentional. It's always something that I can use. Because if you're reading that stuff at night, it's, it's, kinda le- it's less important that you're retaining it fully. You're just reading about somebody or a fiction yeah. where in the morning you want the nuggets of business. and Totally. Well, the morning stuff also, the nonfiction kind of business stuff is more tactical things. It's stuff that you want to act upon versus uh, the biographies and some of the you know, fiction books that you're reading. They're important lessons that you're learning in there. And a lot of those lessons, you know, you need them to ferment while you're sleeping, right, for them to kind of like gestate just, just and come up. Yeah. One of the pushbacks that a lot of people say about reading is they read 20 pages and it's just boring and yeah. they're done. Yeah, I used to make this mistake all the time, which is um, I used to think like buying a book was this big thing. When again, in reality, you're spending between 8 to 15 bucks on average for any book that you buy. And so, but I, I created this big source of anxiety for myself and said, oh, I, I bought this book. I'm bored after 20 pages. I must read this book. I got to finish it. I got to read the, you know, the covers. I need to read the table of contents. I need to read the intro or the epilogue. Like I re- need to read every single piece of it. And uh, what I figured out is, one, you need to give yourself permission to not finish books. Right? There are certain books that you don't, you don't have to waste your time finishing. And uh, you may come back to someday and want to read again, right? Today might not be the right time to read this book. And, and all you need to do to make a book worthwhile is to take one lesson out of the book. If you can learn one thing that you didn't know before uh, from reading this book, that is $8 well spent. That is, you know, that is eight lottery tickets right there. That was, I was going to, I wanted to remind you to say that. that was, that's been the best lesson, which is... You don't have to get caught up in trying to comprehend every, you know, all 300 pages and have 40 takeaways and then write a five-page paper on it. You said if you can pull out one thing from a book, then that book was worth the eight to ten Oh, bucks, absolutely. Right? I've taken many classes in school that I couldn't take one thing out of. Uh, and so just think, I was talking to someone the other day on our team, and uh, hey, Ali, and uh, he read 
Managing Oneself, a book that I love by Peter Drucker. It's a small book. It costs like six bucks. And he said uh, he loved it. He enjoyed it. And he said, like, I really took away this one lesson from it. And I said, that's all you needed. You just had the highest return on investment on six bucks, right, that you will ever have, right? You have one thing that is he has implemented and is, like, totally changing the way that he works. It also helps you read faster, too. You're, yeah. not, you're not stressed out about, like, every little single detail. Yeah, reading a book is not memorizing a book, right? And uh, with most books that matter, I end up reading them two, three. I've read some books four or five times. And the reason for that is that you have to be in the right context to get the right lesson out of each book. And so the first time you read it, you're coming in, into it with one context and you might learn one or two things. The next time you read it, you'll discover two or three other things that you didn't realize that were there. And so you need to, with the great books, reread them. All right, let's wrap with like two, a couple books that have had the biggest impact on you. Oh. Could be recent. Yeah. Or maybe what are you reading? Yeah, yeah. What are you reading now? You got a whole list. Yeah, I got a whole. I got so many. It's just so hard, you know, where to start. Um, I've been kind of diving back uh, into a book, a recent book that just came out. That's called Extreme Ownership, right? And it's written by two, you know, it's like leadership lessons from two ex Navy SEALs. You know, hardcore kind of book. And um, I've just been diving back into it. I kind of had scanned it a bit, you know, read parts of it and now I'm kind of like finishing that up. The other book that I've come back to which one is one of my favorites from a leadership standpoint is called Entree Leadership and that was written by Dave Ramsey. I've read that book probably four times now. I just started re-listening to that book on an audio book because I want to come back to some of those lessons and I'd say the two others for me are uh, Made in America which was written by Sam Walton. It's a $5 paperback book right? written by uh, probably the richest man in our lifetime. And, and so you can learn the lessons from the richest man in our lifetime for five bucks, right? And uh, that is worth, you know, 100 copies of the 4-Hour Workweek, right, which will cost you four times as much. And then the last book which I, uh, co- that I go back to is, is uh, Ben Horowitz's uh, book, The Hard Thing About Hard Things. You know, I recommend that book a ton. 